From regular expenses to occasional splurges, there's a lot to buy. Why not get cash back every time you spend? With the PenFed Power Cash Rewards Card, you get cash back on every purchase. That's everywhere, every time you use it. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Visit PenFed.org slash PowerCash to apply. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. This week, regional qualifier Jimmy joins us as we discuss the controversial decision of the self-proclaimed best-in-the-world Kurt at the E-Club World Cup. Foot Tactician gives his verdict on whether Kurt's kickoff goal-induced real-life rage quit was actually just papering over defensive cracks. Plus, a returning foot economist gives his thoughts on how to take advantage of a volatile World Cup market. I'm your host, Ben, and you'll find all that and more on this week's Foot Weekly podcast, hosted by Foot and all your usual podcast platforms. Why am I stopping so much in the middle of my sentences? Let's just get on with it. Hello and welcome to week 35 of the Foot Weekly podcast. This week we've got a real diverse mix of guests for you. Uh, we've got the classic foot economist joining us today. Hello Jamie, how are you? Hello, hello. Good to hear a very familiar voice, which we haven't heard for a few weeks actually. Been a busy end of the term, or whatever you call it, semester. Sort of yes, right. But I mean, you know, as our two nations have now united with the royal wedding, I'm sure we can re- resolve <laughs> these differences. Yeah, I'm assuming you didn't catch the royal wedding. Uh, I, I I didn't catch it, um, but a lot of uh, my acquaintances did, and uh, I I got the backstory from them. So I mean, oh, interesting. I'm as good okay. as watched it. Yeah, I have to say I don't think because they would have to wake woken up pretty early to to catch the royal wedding in the US. So. <laughs> yeah, it, it was airing at six thirty here. In the morning. Considering I was not really doing anything in the middle of the day on Saturday, but still chose not to watch the Royal Wedding. <laughs> it's a pretty good indictment of what it's like. A man who is also in the UK, but probably didn't catch the Royal Wedding either, is Foot Tactician. Steve, how are you doing? I'm good. Thanks, Ben. Yeah, excited to be here. Exciting times for FIFA Ultimate Team at the weekend. Uh, looking forward to getting into discussions about all kinds of things. Yeah, and, and in fact, the first thing to, of course, ask, talking of all kinds of things, uh, what everyone will want to know is how are the chickens? <laughs> the chickens are fine. Um, I was just outside in the garden a few moments ago, getting towards the bedtime, um, so I'll probably have to go and tuck them in at some point in the not-too-distant future. Bless. <laughs> <laughs> And our final guest uh, is a brand new guest for the podcast. It is Chime, and Chime is a top 100 player. Uh, he's finished 40 and 0, and uh, he was a regional finalist as well. So, Chime, a warm welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me, guys. Really appreciate it. Great. And uh, I think we're going to start off with something that uh, you should feel fairly comfortable talking about being a pro player. Something you'll, I'm sure, have an opinion on, um, which is what we saw at the what is the Club World Cup, Club E World Cup, over the weekend. It was maybe the second to last day of action, and we saw. Kurt face one of the previous winners of the competition actually Bromby and Kurt playing for MK uh, what, I don't know how to say the name but maybe Makers or something Kurt's partner on I think playing on PlayStation didn't maybe quite do Kurt any favours put him in a position where he was a couple of goals down going into his leg basically what it came down to is three kickoff goals against Kurt and another long shot goal meant that he basically just dropped the controller and walked away from the console. It's something that we haven't really seen before in the pro scene. Someone sort of getting that frustrated that they walk away. And so from your pro perspective, would you consider sort of walking away in the middle of a, you know, you, you've won the opportunity to, to appear at this event. Would you consider walking off when, you know, the deficit wasn't huge. I mean, it was huge. It was big, but it wasn't completely insurmountable. Would you, you know, walk away at 70 minutes and, and just drop the game? Personally, I wouldn't because I, 
I believe this game, anyone can come back, so I would have kept trying, but it was really frustrating because he really did outplay his opponent, I think, but um, the game just didn't go his way, and he ended up conceding some goals, and that can be really frustrating as a player, whether you're playing at a live competition, a pro friend, or a gold one player, whichever one it is, it can be really annoying. Yeah, and, and did you feel like the goals that he conceded, you know, there was justification for being annoyed? I felt there were things he could do in all of those instances that could have avoided conceding that. Well, depending on the situation, for his, it was kind of unique because, like I said, he was outplaying his player, uh, his opponent, but didn't get the goal. So that, Mm. I think, led to the frustration more than the kickoff goals. Because if you notice, he would have chance after chance, reaction after reaction, and then once he couldn't break his opponent down and then... He gets a goal finally, and his opponent comes straight from kickoff. Like that—that that is really, really annoying, especially at the pro level. So I think it was more of the frustration of the lack of consistency in the game, rather than just because oh he was conceding kickoff goals. Mm. Probably good time to I guess talking about that. Move on to Steve Foot Tactician. We have well, we exchanged messages about this, um, having had a look at the clips, and we're actually kind of questioning whether he had that much cause to be frustrated with the goals because a lot of them did feel like defensive errors. Yeah, um, my view is very much that Kurt is his own worst enemy in a lot of ways. Um, Totally appreciate what Chime is saying there about the frustration and what have you and not having won a title. I think he puts a lot of pressure on himself by proclaiming himself as being the best player in the world. You know, nobody else says that. Mm -hmm. Um, He hasn't got the the titles to, to back that up. And I think he's maybe maybe it comes from the fact that he's beginning to realise that he's not actually the best player in the world mm. um, I, I agree with Chimmy that he, he played really well in that game but as you say we exchanged messages looking in details at the goals that he did concede and there were undoubtedly errors there um, the, the first so-called kickoff glitch um, the goal that he conceded I would argue that he, he controlled his, his CDM for far too long and he was he was a hostage to fortune in terms of just leaving a lot of the defending up to the AI in the first place. Well, if he'd been more proactive and taken control of his centre-back at an earlier stage, I'm not convinced that he would have ended up conceding that goal and nobody would have been talking about a kickoff glitch. And in the second goal, um, it was a great goal by his opponent. Um, some great dribbling in the box. Uh, Kurt was trying to read and react what he was doing and, and move his centre-back accordingly. Um, he did actually take responsibility and took it out of the AI's hands on that occasion. And he was just found wanting. He just wasn't good enough to, to match his opponent on that occasion. Yeah, I mean, um, it's an interesting point there because, well, actually, first of all, I should say that these clips, you're probably wanting to see these goals if you haven't already to kind of understand what we're talking about. If you go to Foothead's Twitter uh, page, search Foothead Twitter, um, and it'll come up. And on the tweet that they've put out about this podcast, you'll find links to each of the goals. And I'll probably put some kind of identifier. I think this one's the third kickoff goal. And it was also sort of the one where he was dribbled in in the box so i guess i might put that as well so look out for those and basically i think with this one what he does wrong is that he doesn't first of all he probably should as you say control the player who's closest to the ball carrier but also what he does is he uses a r1 contain or rb contain to press the player and then suddenly at one point he switches to the player um, maybe realizing he's made a mistake and that means that the player just kind of stops dead and basically because he doesn't have AI move assistance on, which may be a sensible decision for him. And that means that the direction the AI is traveling to cover the player just is cancelled, basically. And, and that opens up a bit of space for his opponent to then take the shot. But Jimmy, what, what are your thoughts on this? 
the problem I see with that is this year, uh, attackers are a lot more fluid than defensive players. So you couldn't be doing that with the best of uh, center backs, maybe Ramos or Ferdinand, and you could e- easily jockey to the left. And if your opponent just turns to the right with Team of the Year Ronaldo, like, you're wide open. I, I can see why he defends like that, but personally, I have a problem with people that defend like that because it's, it's a viable method. You're but kind of leaving it up to chance a little bit, aren't you? I yeah, yeah. It's just, it's too passive. You're hostage to fortune. Yeah, it's too passive for me. Personally, like, with the clips I've sent to Steve, like, I like to be aggressive to the ball carrier. And one thing I've noticed about Kurt's defending, while it works for him, it's just... It lets the opponent do what they want, and you're pretty much hoping that the AR is good enough to get the ball from the striker. And if you're playing a good uh, dribbling player like FIFA Ustin, I think is his name, like you can't suffer a lot mm-hmm. of chances because of that. Yeah, I mean, one thing I always wonder as, as sort of like a layman in situations like this is what actually happens on the kickoff that makes it so uh, that there just seems to be such a high propensity of goals that's scored off of them. And like maybe you guys, you know, you guys can chime in, you know, as, as people that really study the the game, the gameplay. Um, but to me, like it, it always seems to be that the players react just a little bit slower. Maybe are a little bit like slower once you like switch to them. Their first step is just a little bit slower. And and like a couple things that I sort of like wonder and, and like take away before you guys chime in on that is one, I think it was really, I think it was inappropriate for him to walk away from from the like the game. Yeah, you know, and sort of, sort of like throw it down. I always wondered what it would look like to have like a in real life rage quit. So, I guess now we, and I guess now we've got. Although that. he uh, did actually reconnect um, to the opponent, which is not a feature that EA have uh, introduced yet when, <laughs> when he came back. And <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a future request. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just think you know, at this stage, I think they they you know whether they like it or not, or it should be held to a higher standard. Um, you know, I I, th- I think personally that kickoff glitches, uh, so to speak, are. Um, you know, sort of like RNG aspects of the game, uh, and, and kind of come with the territory when you're when you're playing a game like FIFA, which has a lot of RNG aspects. Uh, you can sort of liken it to, well, you know, you you get kickoff as well, mm-hmm. um, so it's really just you know a matter of you. You're both playing the same game, if you will. So it's it's sort of up to you, in my mind, to take advantage of it and you know realize that hey, you know, kickoffs are a are, are real time where you know maybe as you guys are going to tell me that players react more slowly and this is how exactly how you have to take advantage of it and and this is how you have to defend against it and maybe some of that's that's mental or whatever but yeah i'm sort of rambling i guess i guess my question to you guys is is there a is is what is it that about kickoffs that are you know markedly different about just well, regular i wanted to just start actually because you kind of made two points that one was about sort of the ethics of kurt quitting which i think we'll come on to uh in a bit um but you did mention about you know, maybe this is just part of the game that people need to be learning about and learning how to either exploit or defend against. And I think that was what um, Spencer Owens' point was. He was hosting the show and, and has got a lot of stick on Twitter kind of saying this. But if you are a pro, pro player, you should be aware of this and you should be trying yeah. your best to avoid the situation. I've, I've got a slightly different take on this in the sense that I think that the kickoff glitch and what Jamie's just described, um, it was certainly a problem pre-patch before it was actually patched. Um, there was a problem with player reactions. Uh, the back four tended to drop deep, um, and there were issues which which did appear to be resolved. I think one of the the residual effects of that is that it's kind of got into a lot of players' heads. Um, mm. I think that mental, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that they tend to get more triggered, and if they do happen to concede a goal from kickoff, it's like, oh wow, it's a kickoff glitch. Um, and they become a little bit almost intimidated by the by the idea of even facing a kickoff. Um, 
and it affects the way that they defend. Um, so I think one of the things that I really noticed in that game, I, I didn't watch the tournament uh, at all really, but I caught the whole of that game and um, I could tell from the start that Kurt was already kind of triggered. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was going down with a couple of goals down um, or just some luck he'd had earlier in the tournament, but he wasn't happy from basically kickoff. And that just was exacerbated and exacerbated. And he's someone who kind of tells himself he's the best player in the world. Whether he actually believes that, I don't know. But he certainly tries to kind of boost his confidence and, and, and also has this kind of huge sense of injustice constantly. Maybe partly born out of the fact that he wasn't allowed to compete last year because of his nationality, which is um, another reason why, I don't know, maybe he feels disenfranchised in some way, but the whole situation was boiling up to that point and you could kind of see it and even the commentators were making reference to the fact that he was getting very frustrated by the whole situation and we've all had it in games where things start to go against you and you just kind of can't really deal with that in some way and you're just not in the right kind of mental state and I think the kind of heightened anxiety meant he made mistakes and on defense on kickoff and he was Joanna just constantly thinking like I'm, I'm I'm gonna get done by the kickoff glitch I'm gonna get done by the kickoff glitch you can tell by the way he defends I think I don't know Jimmy I'll ask you in a second but it just felt like he was kind of passive passive yeah what, what do you think about that Jimmy well the thing with defending in general in this game is I feel like you're always anxious because for me personally that's why I stopped playing weekendly because regardless of the type of opener you're playing you're always Anxious to the fact that you could concede whether it's your fact, your um, your fault or not. Because for me, one thing I notice is because I'm an aggressive defender, the more I read the pass as opposed to attacking the player, the more I have a better chance of conceding. So for Kurt, it's like, okay, it's kickoff. Let me try and, you know, hold this. Because um, I believe he was 3-3 at the time and needed the go back. So he was just trying to make sure at all costs that he didn't concede off kickoff and... He's second man pressing when the opponent's inside the box and the AI just doesn't do anything. And there are instances where I've tried to cover passing lanes for a kickoff glitch and it's just like your player's right there and the ball goes right through and chances like that you can't really do anything about it. Are you sort of describing that it's it's almost like a, like a gamble? Every yeah, time yeah, defending, pretty much. Especially when you're coming pretty against much. a good player. Sort of like that. You, no matter what you do, if, if they if you don't guess the right direction, for example, of, of the direction that they're going to turn, especially against a good dribbler like that. Like When, when I saw on that last goal was when, when he was twisting and turning with Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, and this is something that I've you know tried to pick up in my play, obviously not to the same extent, but I found that if I'm dribbling sort of away from a player and just turning back and forth left and right, especially with like an elite player like... Uh, you know, Timo Susan's son, who has five-star weak foot, or someone like Lozano, who has just broken animations in the game. It really is just a gamble for the for the defender at that point if they're going to like guess the direction I'm going to turn. Jamie, it's it is a gamble, but it's it's a calculated gamble as well because you've always got to be aware of your angles. You've always got to be aware of where the danger actually is. Right. You can't allow you can't allow an attacker to move inside where he's he's got a clean sight of goal. You've always got to be defending the inside. You've got to stay goal side of your man. And that was a mistake that undid Kurt, really, at the end of the day. I'm mm-hmm. pretty confident yeah. pretty confident that Chime wouldn't have made that mistake. But then the problem with what I saw... The, what, the problem with uh, the new uh, kickoff system is that it pushes your defenders too deep. And, for example, if it was before, like, if he was defending that with the AI press, they wouldn't have sat so deep to where uh, Ustin was able to come to the box and just turn left, right, and left, right until he got a clear chance. Mm-hmm. But now it's like... As long as your opponent keeps passing forward, they're just going to have an, an open player to pass to till let's say they get a long shot or they get a chance to shoot the ball. 
Yeah, I think that's an interesting point that like sometimes deep defending does have that impact, and it does seem like from kickoff, um, the defenses are a little bit too deep. But if you look at all those clips, right? So one thing that was complained about was the long shot goal. He doesn't press the guy tight enough. Like that's, that's kind of basic. It's a free kick. Everyone lays off and takes a long shot or does the player run. So that was clear. The one we've just been talking about. I think personally, the reason why one of the reasons why he gets done on that is because he's he's moving. Jesus, the guy's a moving mouse his has just run across the living room. <laughs> <laughs> a, ma- a mouse is. Whoa, Jesus! Sorry. It's all right. <laughs> it's just yeah. Whoa. Um. Just give me a second, guys. That's right. <laughs> 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 he, needs to, he needs to get the chickens on it. <laughs> Yeah, I was going to say, the chicken eat, you could eat, convince the chickens to eat the mouse. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is top quality extra yeah. content. Wow. <laughs> just a mouse appeared from nowhere and just ran across the, uh, the living room floor. He was looking for some tactical insight. Well, maybe, yeah. yeah 99 pace mouse SBC confirmed. <laughs> um, but as you're, um, you've got a guess, we probably get your thoughts now. How would you sort of close it out from a tactical perspective? Yeah, I was just going to say, I think I think there are a lot of moot points here that, that could be argued one way or the other. Um, mm. For me, the bottom line from a, from a kind of coaching perspective is that you just... He, he, <laughs> He pretty much followed every movement. He, he tried to mirror what what um, FIFA Roasten was doing, mm. and that really is a mistake in itself. Because you don't, it's fine to give up the outside from that position, but you can't yeah, yeah. give up the inside. Mm. And every time he moved out with the player, he, he was risking him getting inside and getting that shot off, which he did in the end, and he paid for it. Yeah, nothing think, to do with the kickoff glitch, in my opinion. No, no, I think that's a good point. In that the I don't know how much that was to do with the kickoff glitch. I mean, Jimmy was saying that the defence was quite deep. Um, but I, I guess what I want to get at is, you know, are we all in agreement that actually the goals we're seeing are more defensive errors than anything else? And it's a shame that a player loses because of basically four defensive errors. But I mean, these are the stakes at this level, surely, Jimmy? Uh, one thing I think is that if he had been more aggressive, he could have also conceded a long shot, especially with the amount of players they have available to them at the competition. Like... You're going to get punished whether you're aggressive or too passive. So the game just lets any amount of goal go in. Like, if I if I was the one defending, I would have rushed the player and my player would have probably taken a misstep and Ustin could have taken a long shot and that could have been a goal. So there's no really perfect way to defend this year. That's like... That's isn't why that the same with, isn't that the same with real FIFA, uh, real football though? I mean, that, yeah, there's no perfect way of defending. A player can step around you, or they can take a shot from distance. It's kind of the same. Yeah, I, I don't know. The, dilemma. I, don't feel, I feel bad for FIFA Austin here because he scored a great goal, and everybody's talking about Kurt and and going to the fact of Kurt's walk off and everything. He, Kurt walked off as if to as if to suggest that he'd been cheated, as if as if this guy had done something that he shouldn't be doing. And he was just left there sitting like a like a dummy and it just it, it just wasn't good no, I, no it didn't sit well with me at all so let's move on then to to actually that point is that like is this the right thing to do i mean for economist you're a, a man with a successful uh, successful uh, social media profile do you think that that's something that goes down i mean it seems to have gone down well on social media is kind of what i'm saying there's a lot of support for what he's done but is that really what he should be doing in, in a as a pro player you know representing an uh, organization yeah i, I mean I, so the short answer for me is, is no, probably not. Um, I mean, just in terms of like just thinking about his own personal brand, um, 
you know, to me, you know, especially someone, if he's trying to pursue like long-term and this really isn't getting into the, like, you know, the, how it looks for, for EA and all that, but just for him personally, I mean, that's just not a great look for him in terms of like, if he's trying to set himself up with sponsors or really just set himself up with like a reputation in the community. I, to me, that just kind of labels him as, as a, as a hothead. Maybe he's done it out of protest. Maybe he's done it out of, um, you know, so, in some way, uh, he's, he's trying to sort of push an agenda of, um, you know, asking for change in in you know in EA and, and the way that the game is is developed and maybe some of the RNG aspects of it, um, and you know I think there's uh, there's much more elegant ways to do that if if that's what he's doing. It kind of seems to be you know maybe uh, the the you know looking at some of his messages and tweets in, in you know sort of the aftermath maybe that's kind of what he was sort of trying to brand it as what he was trying to do. Um, I'm not sure if that's maybe how it came off it, it, on air. It was really awkward. <laughs> Obviously, I mean, you, you, you said you left the other players kind of sitting there. Um, and I think that's a really tough look for, for him. And I think it's a tough look for EA. I mean, just how, how public that was. I mean, there wasn't, to be honest, there wasn't all that many viewers watching, uh, without the, um, you know, the incentive of the, some of the live rewards that they've had in the past, but you know, it's still it's still not a great look uh, for I think for him and then for um, you know him as a personal brand as well. In terms of viewership, it, it was actually broadcast live on Sky Sports Two in the UK as well, though, which is one of the main sports channels here. So it's difficult to gauge how many people are actually watching. And it's actually quite fascinating yeah. um, because there was no significant increase in viewership at that point. You know, people didn't tune in because they heard about this going on, apparently. But it certainly has got people talking mm. about it. Um, I don't know whether there's that, any publicity is good publicity kind of shtick, yeah. but I, yeah. I'm not sure about that. Um, I think it doesn't look great to have someone so vocal about the game not being good either way um, as, as that is ultimately what they're trying to kind of sell but yeah. I think there is a, a kind of he's a controversial character and maybe FIFA needs more of those people pro, the pro <laughs> scene may benefit from having characters who are a bit who are more vocal willing to kind of step out of line mm. slightly to create a bit more controversy I mean you know there have been plenty of footballing characters who've had great success uh, partly off the back of that yeah. so i don't know it's an interesting idea it'll be interesting to see whether there's any kind of retribution would that be the right word um for me sort, sort of on that note i mean one thing that they try to do and like i i as you talk about it ben I, I sort of agree with it more that you know creating controversies like that is is probably good for the game in terms of viewership um you know one thing that they they try to do and this is clear in the stories that they try and tell in their commentary yeah, they they try to make stories, mm. right? Like with the DH text, for example, they constantly talked about how young he was, or you know, they they try and pit nations against each other. They try and pit regions against each other. They try and pit consoles against each other, and it's all just to try and create some sort of controversy to make the game interesting to watch. Because really, as as a spectacle, I'm not sure that FIFA is is the most entertaining um, esport to, to watch. Um, and I mean, certainly it's, it's not a boring thing to watch, but the gameplay, you know, especially at this point in the year can get a little bit repetitive, like repetitive. So it really is all about yeah, the storylines. Yeah. And, you know, as you say, something like, you know, something like this, where you have a controversial player, you know, that someone's going to, people are going to want to tune in to follow to see, you know, what he gets up to this time could be a good thing for it in terms mm. of viewership. Yeah, that's true. Jimmy, where do you stand on kind of Kurt's, uh, do you think he should receive some kind of ban from EA for trying to quit out essentially? Mm. I don't think so. Another thing I did hear from, I heard it from a pro, but I don't think it was at the event, was that there was match fixing going on at the Club World Cup, which is, I mean, I wasn't there, so I, I, I can't really say, but like, 
Apparently, oh, match fixing, did you say? Yeah, yeah. And I think that was one of the things Kurt was, I guess, protesting against. A team, I heard, that's that's what I heard, a team came together to make sure that uh, Unilad didn't go through or something like that. And, like, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, so like, two teams played each other in the final game of the group stage. And yeah. if one of the teams had beaten the other team, then Unilad would have gone through. And that team had already qualified. Yeah. So they should have been trying their best to beat the other team, but it seemed yeah. like they weren't trying their best. So, yeah. Although, I don't know, but isn't that more... A, a professional team should be professional about <laughs> about the way they approach games. I mean... Yeah. Question of ethics within the professional teams, that, isn't it, really? They should know better, you would argue, I would, I would think, in terms yeah. of sportsmanship. And that's my kind of question, is, like, you know, someone like Spencer Rowan who's tweeted, sort of, I guess saying that Kurt was wrong to do what he did because, um, you know, loads of people do a huge amount of work to make sure the events happen. You know, it's kind of throwing it in their faces. But also, as a professional sports person, you have kind of a duty of professionalism. You know, if a referee had made an accidental mistake on a football pitch somewhere or a strange decision happened because of VAR being introduced or something like that, team wouldn't walk off the pitch and refuse to play. That, that would be considered pretty unprofessional and they'd get fines, etc. So I, I've, I don't know. I feel like he, personally he took a step too far. It's fine to, trying to talk about it with EA, put it out on Twitter if they're not listening, etc., etc. But kind of what he did was essentially bringing the game into disrepute, which people are quite happy to do because there are lots of problems with the game. But at the same time, I'm not sure whether this was quite the right thing to do. <laughs> My question is, if he didn't do that, would anyone have talked about the event? Yeah, I mean, possibly not. It's a shame that it's a shame that we're not talking about a great win by FIFA Austin. That's who I really Maybe. feel. I don't know if there is a great win. But. It's a shame that we're talking about all the negative aspects of it. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame we're not talking about a great win for Kurt because it could have been if he'd had his head in the right place. <laughs> Arguably so. And and you know, it's, it's a point I'll make about we've made it before about the podcast having coaches, having someone there, you know, who's who genuinely like can focus you or, or can make a difference to your game. I think it's huge. Some of these, I don't think he did have the mental capacity to deal with what went on in that game and so call me Kurt yeah <laughs> yeah Steve, Steve's here for you, if you know. <laughs> so yeah I don't know um, we're kind of completely speculating about the whole situation obviously we weren't there and I don't know what it's like to be in that situation of course Jim A probably has more of an idea when you did your regional qualifying did you have anything like this come up any kind of real problems with uh, EA um no not really I just it was more my fault for playing bad but like one thing I hope they fix is long shots. Because I remember regionals, I was playing uh, Diddy Chris Little, and it was a really tough match. I got the first goal, then straight out of kickoff, he passes to Team of the Year Suarez, boots a long shot, and that's a goal. And it's like, why why should I work 45 minutes for a goal if you're just going to come back two minutes later and just take a long shot, and that's a goal? Like That's, that's not fair on players who have practiced attacking defending practice to get good only to come and concede to a kickoff goal or a long shot what is the way to fix yeah because i was gonna say isn't that part of the game isn't that part of football yeah i mean in in like the only thing i could think of i mean that could fix that like I, i don't would be to make the game longer so that there is more that, that, so that the RNG aspects just mm. kind of go away, and I and I guess that's sort of why you know they have you know forty games in weekend league, such a you know outrageously high number that you have to put in you know ten fifteen hours of gameplay is so that you know the RNG aspects of that sort of get leveled out over the course of those forty games. You know, in in a game where you know fifteen minutes 
there it's it's so easy that you could just turn around and take like a pop shot with you know team of the season son or something ran, random like that or like a lozano and he could literally just put it in from like anywhere like a ridiculous angle to negate the work that you've done for 35 plus minutes and a half it's it's i i completely agree it's outrageously frustrating but it's 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 part of the game and i don't know how you would fix that for otherwise Taking, other than maybe sorry taking that point and kind of expanding on it slightly is it is it fair to say that fifa kind of stands alone in the gaming the gaming landscape in terms of are there any other competitive games where you can sort of have aim assistance where you can just vaguely point in the direction of the goal and shoot and it's going to go somewhere near you know, in terms of increasing the skill gap, isn't that something that should be looked at? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really buy into the whole kind of like there's no skill gap because otherwise, you know, there's lots of things to demonstrate that, that isn't the case, actually. But your point about assistance, yeah, the game's heavily assisted. We had a guy who emailed us saying, I play on manual and I've played other players who play on manual and it's the best FIFA you'll ever play because ultimately most things that happen are your fault like you you can't blame anyone else um and that kind of if anyone's played rocket league for example a much less frustrating game i think because everything is so down to kind of the pure physics if you're really bad at it <laughs> yeah it's still quite frustrating but good, good. your point holds i'm not going to be <laughs> i think it's going to be a really interesting next couple of years to see which direction ea takes it because i think steve brings up a great point about you know you know, taking away some of the assisted parts of the game and to, to sort of increase the skill gap, mm. if you will. And that could be a way around, you know, some of this RNG stuff, you know, not, and not have to do some of the, my suggestion, for example, which would be just to make the game longer to try and, you know, negate mm. some of that. Because um, I think EA is going to have to make a decision whether or not they want to pursue, you know, FIFA as an esport, if they want to pursue it as a, a, you know, a regular mass market game. And I think just... You know, just based on you know how we've seen it progress so far, it's going to stay a mass market game for a while. Yeah, yeah. Financially, it makes no sense to do anything else. Yeah, yeah exactly. And I, I just wonder if maybe we'll see some sort of, um, I don't know, maybe some sort of you know how even now you can you can tell a notable difference between gameplay between something like foot draft and. Um, you know, if, uh, weekend league. There's an even more big difference uh, between seasons, like online seasons, um, when you're not playing with ultimate team and regular ultimate team. Uh, and I think that's mainly down to. I don't think there's anything just uh, in terms of gameplay that's different. I think we've been told that it's just down to chemistry boost. Um, but I, I would, I would just wonder if maybe EA is going to release uh, a mode which is much more, uh, you know, heavily based on manual controls uh, that's specifically for competitive play, and, and maybe some keep some sort of mm. casual mode. Um, like yeah, I, I think personally that would be probably, you know, the best way to do it in terms of not affecting people. Because I think what you got to remember, and Chime's point about long shots is is very valid as we were saying. But if I wasn't kind of banging in long shots with my Ronaldinho I'd be pretty disappointed with the game to be honest right. like, I'd, yeah. <laughs> I think I'd, I'd find that quite frustrating that you know you couldn't score the wonder goals like I can't do a rainbow flick volley that's part of the fun of the game like I, I play it for fun I play it partly to score fun goals like I there's a lot of people who do that and a lot of people who are far more basic level players than I am who really enjoy that aspect of the game much mm. more than anything else like scoring a good goal maybe beating some players but it's, it's partly about the fun um, and reduction in randomness would basically mean players like Musa it sounds great to us but just wouldn't be able to score great goals and the, the best way to do that as you were saying is to create a competitive mode within the game much more manual uh, much less RNG and um, essentially when you play foot champs you'd be using that kind of gameplay and the rest of the time you wouldn't would be the hmm. bottom line the only thing is I'd kind of like 
dedicated servers for other things other than just that because the quality of the <laughs> gameplay in foot champs for me at least is unbelievably improved because of the servers over foot, foot draft and yeah. uh, seasons in foot as well so yeah i don't know Chime, what are your thoughts on that would you would you advocate like a different mode um one problem i have with that is i remember i think fifa 16 15 where you could adjust whether you wanted your passing assistance on or off you have to have it off i think well before it was on or off now it's just it's not there before you you have to have it you have to have it on or off and online you would have it um off and then for me when i was playing like let's say friends who play casually they would have it um on and then it would make it a lot harder to defend their passes meanwhile i'm trying to pass manually and then it's messing me over but what i'm trying to say is if you have that in let's say someone like me or diddy or other pro players who want to just focus on foot champions who would have to play on manual. If we played on manual and then came to online seasons and played against full auto, like we would probably get wrecked, I think. So you'd need like a different practice mode as well, almost. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that would be, yeah, that would be a lot to handle. One thing I think can fix long shots is if they made it as inconsistent as free kicks, if that makes sense. Mm. <laughs> and then the, I guess you're getting back to that point that I was making that then I used to score a couple of wonder free kicks you know at least like five to ten every year and this year yeah. it's been like two or three <laughs> yeah. so you know you, yeah. you end up getting into that territory when um, people like me who for some reason would rather score a nice goal than win don't enjoy the game nearly so much um as others but you know maybe that's part and parcel of of the move that EA take but to be honest considering their numbers the way their um, financial model works I just I probably know more about this than me for economists but I can't see it happening that they would change the game so drastically to suit um, competitive FIFA. Yeah, at least not yet. I mean, at the at the stage of, of growth that it's mm. at right now. Yeah. Um, I think it would honestly be, you know, throwing a bucket of water on the fire, if if, if anything, if they really pushed mm-hmm. it and you know, created a, a gap between the general sort of regular player, casual foot player, and then the you know, super high level skilled pros because it would it would feel like when you're you know, for a player like myself, for example, I'm a decent player, but if I if I went into a game and I matched up against a top one hundred player and I got just absolutely worked and because I was playing on manual and I just couldn't keep up with this guy, um, and I got beat like eight zero, I would I'd be mm-hmm. done for the day. Like, it just wouldn't be fun. I mean it's it's one thing to it's it's one thing to lose and, and you know have some sort of like ah oh, well I just got beat because of kickoff glitch or that guy has like R nine and whatever. But it's another thing to get absolutely completely handled, mm. um, and you know, dealing with that mentally, and then you know, <laughs> is 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 tough, especially you know, when when you are when you when you really can't play in the game, and you really just well, yeah, I just got completely outplayed. It's really frustrating, especially with it when it's like when it's such a personal uh, video game because it's, it's yeah, one yeah, that's one, a pretty good point, yeah, uh, and it's one v one for a long time. Um, so it, I really do think it, it becomes such a personal uh, sort of affair. Um, and which can make it. And I do think that would be one of the difficulties is like how do you bridge the gap between someone going like into the pro mode from playing regularly, and if you yeah. want to dip between the two, it'd be very difficult. As Chime was pointing out, in terms of sort of switching between manual, etc. But it would be interesting whether they can find more of a balance, maybe. But it is something that we're going to have to kind of wait and see. As always, if you've got any kind of uh, suggestions, I suppose on this um, insights, just get in touch footweekly uh, at mail.com or. Tweet us at Foot Weekly Pod. Right, so I think we've probably 
talked enough about uh, the pro scene. Uh, there are many of you who may not actually be interested in this at all, in which case you've had a really interesting half an hour. So we'll move into talking about a bit of tactics, but definitely lots about the market as we've got Jamie back this week. So let's uh, move on to a nice foot weekly break and we'll be back in just a second. Well, that was a long first half of the podcast, so why not reward yourself by leaving us a review wherever you get your podcast? And also, if you don't already subscribe, please do, and you can do that if you're listening on Foothead through the links just below where the podcast is embedded, or just search Foot Weekly on your podcast provider of choice. Well, welcome back to the second half of the Foot Weekly podcast, week 35. Um, it's Chime's first Foot Weekly break. Uh, how did you How did you find that as a, as a break overall? Oh, it's pretty nice. It gives us a chance to, you know, what we kind of... Well, Jimmy, I think that's probably enough because uh, we don't want to reveal too much about the Foot Weekly break. It's quite a quite a closely guarded secret. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, let's move on to the market, as I was saying. Um, for Economist, it is a really quite crucial time um, at the moment you know, going into World Cup. People have kind of, I think, started to realise this. There was a, a tweet from Panthers alerting people to the fact that uh, a lot of clubs could basically lose value. Um, uh, yeah, you're right. So, I mean, wh- where we're at right now is we have essentially one more weekend left until the World Cup mode drops on the 29th of May. And there's a couple things that are going to happen and, and there's a couple things at play that are going to, you know, make the market move pretty significantly. And it's already, you know, the anticipation of that is what's making the market move as we're talking about it right now. Um, the, the main thing is people know, and it's already been confirmed by some of the guys at EA via Twitter, uh, the EA devs, um, that you're going to be able to use coins that you have amassed on regular foot to open up packs and get yourself started on um, the World Cup mode. So you're going to be able to use, say you have, you know, for example, 1 million coins on, on foot, you're going to be able to use that in World Cup mode to open up packs to get yourself started in the World Cup mode. Um, and what that's going to do, I mean, essentially, I think we're going to see sort of a mass migration of players away from regular foot to this World Cup mode. And I think people are going to want to open up a bunch of packs to get their team stacked and ready to go on World Cup mode. And what they're going to do in order to fund that, they're going to try and sell all of their big dime players, sort of liquidate their clubs in order to fund those pack openings. Um, and I think what a lot of people have been talking about and what we're already starting to see is after this most week, most recent weekend league is a lot of people are starting to sell up their clubs, uh, some of the big name players. Players, a lot of team of season cards, team of the year cards, high-end informs, expensive golds, uh, icons, uh, really any, if any, anything you can think of that isn't an SBUC requirement right now um, for some of those team of season SBCs is is taking a hit. Um, and you know, <laughs> just as a as a whole, I was looking at it. Um, someone like uh, team of the season Sun has dropped uh, just about 18% in the past like 24 hours, uh, which you know, thankfully I'd, I have him as untradeable, so I'm going to keep him in my club as until the uh, until the <laughs> game dies. But um, you know, that's that, those are significant amounts of wealth that, wealth that people are, are losing. Um, a couple of things that are, I think are going to be interesting going forward in terms of the way the market behaves is, I think there's two main things that are going to happen. I think one, I think people are actually going to overreact a little bit in terms of how you know steep they think the self is going to be because I do think especially for super high-end players, I do think there's going to be a bit of a buyback because I don't think that EA is going to introduce any sort of mode where you're going to be able to earn massive amounts of uh, wealth in World Cup mode. And, and by wealth, I mean you know packs because you're not going to be able to, based on what they had in FIFA 14, there was no like mode that they, they introduced where you could earn uh, a lot of packs uh, unless you were opening up with FIFA points. So if they 
keep with that sort of same model, the only way they're going to be able to open up a significant amount of packs is one, paying money, or two, earning a lot of money on regular FUT, and then transferring that over to World Cup mode and doing those pack openings there. So I think people are going to still be interested in Weekend League, uh, just because they're going to want to be able to earn a bunch of coins on, on regular FUT so they can do it on, mm. on World Cup mode. Good point. Uh, so I do think there could be a buyback after this sort of like super duper sell-off um, that I think we're going to see uh, heading into the, tw- the May 29th. I think there's going to be a bit of a buyback for really high-end players as people rebuild their team so they can be competitive in weekend league again. I also think it's going to be really interesting because uh, people are going to, I think, revert a lot to trading and investing. Uh, mainly, mainly trading, not really investing, short-term stuff. Because people are going to, again, they want to make coins so they can build up their World Cup squads. Um, and I think what's, what's going to be really interesting is when they, when EA, if they continue, and, and, and there's questions about whether or not they'll push promotions like uh, you know footies or end-of-era cards and stuff like that, because they might not want to draw away attention from that World Cup mode. Uh, but if they do drop those SBCs again, uh, most of the time, those SBCs are untradeable players, and I just I question whether or not people are going to be all that interested in them, in them other than you know trying to make coins off of them. So if if it's if it's only a uh, buyer's market because those buyers are looking to sell those cards later, I think it could get really interesting. It's going to be a sort of unprecedented market dynamics because it's only going to be a short-term sort of like inflated demand. It's going, it's going to basically going to be all about selling into hype. Which, which is, you know, it's something that you're supposed to do anyway, but it's going to be sort of like a, uh, you know, poster child example of, uh, of, of that, of, um, if we have those SBCs that they do drop like they did last year. Great. And I think the uh, other thing that's kind of interesting around that is when we go into World Cup mode, I think a few people have forgotten, which I, I quite enjoyed last, uh, last year, four years ago, was that you get like a player after every single game you play, which really increases right. the grind. So although I agree that a lot of people are going to be looking to transfer wealth basically into the mode, there is that kind of incentive to keep grinding the game in a way that maybe you don't quite have mm. within Ultimate Team at the moment. So yeah, you, you, you do get that kind of player after each game, which is kind of fun. But one thing that I know a lot of people right. have asked around this is, yes, you know, you might not be able to buy the biggest player with your kind of coins because there's no transfer market. But with mm. the new SBC system that they're planning to introduce, I mean, the packs are in the code, aren't they? Could we see sort of ways of guaranteeing yourself a good player at least? Yeah, I mean, so for those that haven't seen it, there's a bunch of packs in the code uh, that clearly have to do with World Cup mode. Um, you know, there you know, could be a pack, for example. I think one that I'm trying to remember off the top of my head gives you a guaranteed player from a specific region. Um, yeah. And I would imagine those those sort of packs are going to be available through some sort of SBC. Uh, maybe you're, if you get like a, you know, they, they said that there was going to be some sort of system in line where you could trade in the duplicates. Uh, those that played it in FIFA 14 will remember the absolute agony of packing a duplicate player because there's abs- there's nothing you, you could do with it. Um, you know, I saw a couple people when it was confirmed that that there was going to be something to do with your duplicates that were rejoicing and uh, you know. <laughs> digging up old uh, screenshots of them packing duplicate Ronaldo's and the like. So, at, you know, to your point, Ben, you know, there is going to be something to do with those SBC players and it is going to, you know, sort of you know, encourage the grind. So maybe uh, the actual dip itself isn't going to be as, you know, as drastic as, as maybe you know, one might have thought. Um, but I guess, I mean, in sort of pivoting, I think there's a couple ways that we can sort of prepare for this right now. If, if you are looking to, you know, boost up your, your coin totals, if you will, um, investing in sort of the... 
uh, discard uh, special cards right now. Um, there's a lot of really, really cheap special cards, man of the match cards, uh, informs. You know, I saw you know someone like an 84 man of the match card was going for like 11k or something like that, or something like crazy stuff like that that you would never see. You know, leading into a period like this in a, in a previous, uh, in, you know, like last year for example, with you know people knowing that you know, these big SBCs are up coming around the corner. Um, it really, it's just like this foot, you know, this, the World Cup mode hype that is is sort of making people blind to stuff, to investments like that, and the potential for them. Also, I think uh, with the World Cup mode, uh, or sorry, the Ultimate Team of the Season uh, right around the corner, I think the requirements for that SBC, if they well, they are going to drop a guaranteed uh, Team of the Season Ultimate Ultimate Team of the Season SBC. I think the requirements for that are going to be higher rated golds, um, and I don't think they've gotten enough attention recently, uh, just because of the requirements that that we've had so far, the 83 and 84. Rated requirements, so I think the likes of the 85s and 86s are still uh, trading at a relative discount to what they should be going for. So that's more of a near-term thing. And I guess high-rated team of the season uh, cards as well would be right. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Some of the higher-rated rest of the world team of the season uh, cards. You know, the ones that you're probably going to be seeing is coming uh, Wednesday when we have the drop of the uh, you know some of the other players as well. Uh, it's a good look, and also, I mean, w- mm. if they if Groundhog Day happens again, um, where people list up those uh, team and season cards for far too cheap when they pack them, I mean, it, it happened three weeks in a row, four weeks in a row, maybe. Um, I think it is. Um, people mm. essentially just listed those team and season cards for way too cheap when they packed them out of that SBC, uh, that Wrestle World SBC. I mean, it's it just just buy them when you know, people list them up, and then just hold until Sunday, and you're you're good as gold. Yeah, definitely. And um, so that's kind of from a trading perspective, but. We know Steve has an interesting insight in terms of using uh, Liverpool's custom tactics that we may well see in the Champions League final this weekend. So, Steve, what can you tell us about those tactics? I know it's going to come out in a video, so I don't really want to kind of give people too much, but what's the basis of this uh, Well, principle? it was kind of born from the fact that we've got so many great cards now in Ultimate Team. Um, so many fast players, so many great finishers. And I just really wanted to look at a way of... of utilising them to their maximum potential if you like and the play styles that I've recreated in the past it's always been the more the more attacking teams the more attractive kinds of football and with the Champions League final coming up it just seemed a bit of a no-brainer to uh, to try and construct something around Liverpool so it's really been about um, maximising the usage of cards like team of the season Lozano or Mane obviously your Salas Firmino's and uh just trying to sort of recreate this this pretty brutal cut and thrust that, that Liverpool have going on with the uh, the runners coming all the time and the through balls, the one-twos, and uh, just trying to bring that into foot. And I'm quite happy that I've been really successful in it. The video is not quite put together yet. Um, everything is drawn up, all the custom tactics, the player instructions. Um, I've tried it myself in foot champs with great results um, and I've passed it over to Chime who's also been road testing it I understand with fairly great success right Chimmy? Yeah I've I, I did I tried to do a full season on Ultimate Team and I played six games I believe and all of them rage quits it's it's fantastic it really is Nice and what formation is that? It's 4 2 three, one. Four two three one two to be precise. Oh, that's what I'm playing at the moment, so I'll definitely have to have a look at that. Uh, I've also recently employed the services of a certain 97 rated Neymar, mm. who uh, I've only used for a couple of games, but does feel pretty ridiculous. Possibly even actually better than the prime Ronaldo. So wow. he'd, he'd, he'd uh, be pretty yeah, effective really, because really you're relying on pace a great deal in this, um, not only in terms of attacking, but also in terms of of, of the press, the Gagan press that Liverpool use, where you're um, you're closing down space quickly in the opponent's half and trying to win the ball back high. So um, 
yeah, pace kills definitely at this stage mm. of FIFA. That's quite interesting because uh, I suppose Jimmy is probably quite a good person to use that then because you were just saying that you're quite an aggressive defender, Jimmy. Mm. So um, yeah. that probably fits quite well with your style. I, I have to say, I'm just, I mean, I'm, I can be an aggressive defender if I want, but it doesn't make me any better than <laughs> I am when I'm not playing aggressively. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be interesting to try that out. Um, but yeah, and also Neymar has 99 stamina, which I think also probably will Definitely. help a lot. So I think on that, we're pretty much ready to wrap up. That's a video that you can see on Foot Tactician's channel, which is um, youtube.com, where is it, slash? Um, I think it's um, if you just search for Steve Stokes or if you search for um, how to play the Liverpool way. And you can also follow Steve on Twitter, Foot Tactician, and you can follow Chime as well. Where can people follow you? Twitter and all social media at Chime, CDA. And... Uh, Economist, um, I won't even bother everyone to He doesn't need yet. any more followers. <laughs> Un- unfollowed, unfollowed for Economist. <laughs> <laughs> and on that, don't forget to follow the main man, of course, at Foot Weekly Ben. Yeah. <laughs> and honestly, a lot of uh, top banter, might I, might I say. <laughs> you heard it here first. Jamie says, unfollow him, follow at Foot Weekly Ben. <laughs> been a kind of like staggered end of a weekly podcast um but interesting nonetheless hopefully steve you get that mouse sorted chime uh doesn't get into any fights with kurt for insulting his defending over the next oh. <laughs> foot economist loses a lot of followers twitter following declines yeah exactly that's the main <laughs> takeaway from this that's week unfollow, <laughs> <laughs> see you all very soon bye 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 <laughs> entertaining and listener if you made it this far and you also found it entertaining then don't forget to subscribe you can do that all the usual ways and if you're listening on foothead those ways are just below uh, the embedded podcast uh, what would you call it player i suppose and also this is probably the last podcast before world cup mode comes out so do enjoy it it is going to be good if you haven't played it before and don't forget to tweet us at foot weekly pod with all of your pulls and all of your interesting insights into the game and what you might like us to discuss on the next podcast I'm Michael Mogul, and this is the Game Changing Attorney Podcast. In this podcast, we'll meet innovative market leaders from the legal industry and beyond. Our guests will reveal hidden insights on what it takes to achieve exponential growth year over year, how to attract your ideal clients, and how to build a world-class organization that stands the test of time. If you're ready to operate at a higher level and do what it takes to become the market-dominating leader you know you can be, you've got to be a game changer. Subscribe to the Game Changing Attorney Podcast today and get ready to take your firm to the next level.